Welcome to the Light Bears Institute podcast, where we seek to improve biblical literacy by discussing key storylines and themes in Scripture. Well, welcome back to the Light Bears podcast. This is Brett Art with Light Bears Fayetteville. Glad to be with you all here again today. Uh, today, we're going to continue our walkthrough of our Light Bears Institute in theology and practice. Today's topic is missiology. And to help us talk a little more about that is Lightbearer's very own Ryan Martin. Uh, I know for those of you who have listened to our podcast in the past, Ryan's uh, done a few of these, and so you will be familiar with his voice. So, Ryan, glad to have you here today. Thanks. So, so, so those of you who don't know, Ryan is our missions director for, for Lightbearers. Before that was a missions pastor at a local church in Fayetteville called University Baptist Church for about 13 years and currently is getting his doctorate uh, here in a couple weeks, right? Working on in an oral defense uh, with uh, Southeastern Theological Seminary. So uh, Ryan has all the time in the world. He's not busy whatsoever. Not at all. Uh, not at all in this season. Uh, so Ryan, glad to have you here as we talk about missiology. So um, the institute class we had a few days ago, uh, the, the focus and the bent you took on missiology with, with our students was, was really twofold. One was to, to cover an overarching biblical view of missions in Scripture, and then another was really focusing on the importance and centrality of the local church when it comes to sending and equipping missionaries. And so I want to talk with you today a little more about that. Uh, I know many of us, and I'm sure those who, who might be listening to this podcast, when they think about sending missionaries— uh, what well, we're going to be thinking of some of the big players like uh, uh, IMB or North American Mission Board or, or all of the other uh, organizations out there who uh, aren't churches but are parachurches and are sending missionaries. And so if you could, talk a little about the importance of the local church. Why does it matter that we uh, involve the local church when it comes to sending and equipping missionaries? Sure. Well, to kind of tie those two pieces of my talk together I think it really will help answer that question. One, I think it's a case where we see God is calling out for himself a people. He's redeeming for himself a people. And so all throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, we see that people be redeemed and called forth to be able to declare God's glory among the nations, Psalm 96.3. We move into the New Testament, and we see really that take the form of the church in Acts 2. And so it's a case where we see that both the church is the means and the ends through which the Great Commission is accomplished, mm. as we see that people come together, be established as disciples, gathering together as the local church in Acts 2. And then from there, really, persecution sets in, Acts 8. And then from there, the church is scattered to then do what? Plant churches. Right. And so we see then throughout the rest of the New Testament, Paul, particularly, is going about Asia Minor, planting churches on three different missionary journeys. And so take a text like Ephesians 3.10, where it says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known among the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And so I think it's a case where the church is that instrument, that vehicle through which the Great Commission is accomplished. So... I mean, you mentioned some some scripture verses there. I know in the talk you mentioned a little bit about Third John and, and how that's helpful in, in us uh, understanding the local church with missions. So, if you could kind of just give us a, a brief summary of 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 what you were talking about with Third John and the local church there. Sure. 
Third John, not a book that we would typically turn to when we're trying to pull out texts that kind of give us that missiological thread throughout right. Scripture. Right. But nevertheless, I think it's a great little book that talks about the importance of the local church sending and supporting well. So John is writing there to his friend Gaius, who he commends well for walking in the truth, for being faithful in his efforts and all that he does. And then also, too, for just the act in which he and the church that he was a part of received in what were, at the time, traveling missionaries who may or may not have been a part of a network of churches that Gaius's church was a part of, but nevertheless received them in mm. and then sent them back out after a period of time for the sake of the name and supported them well mm. on their journey. Uh, and Gaius is, or Gaius is commended for that by John. And so we see the church being that support and being that sending mm. base, and so the importance of, of the local church doing that. So uh, great reason as to, I mean, a brief, but as far as why uh, the local church in, in sending and equipping. So speak then, what then is the role of parachurches or various sending agencies when it comes to, to missions? Again, I think a lot of us, when we hear the term missionary or sending, we wrongly and in, in, in think of not so much a local church, but maybe just a sending agency. So obviously the importance and centrality, we've talked a little bit about that with the local church, but then what role does a sending agency play with the local church in sending missionaries? Absolutely. I think we've seen oftentimes the church really passing off that role of sending and supporting to the agency, whether it's because they just default to that or they don't have the knowledge of how to equip missionaries well and send and support well, or whether it's just the lack of resources to be able to do that or all of those things combined. And so oftentimes churches just default to that. They see sending as the finish line. Right. That commissioning service is really the finish line and not really the starting point. And so I think it's a case where the church needs to regain that centrality as being the main entity through which they're sending their own people out, albeit alongside a sending agency. And so what role then does the agency play? Well, certainly they're going to have resources. They're going to have particular emphases and oftentimes various strategy and just the wherewithal to be able to help assist churches in how to think carefully, critically about various logistical things, as well as just to provide some overhead and some structure, some training and uh, just boots on the ground and, and experience even from the field right. that the church may not be um, as equipped to do and that the church may or may not uh, be called to do. And so I think that's a case where the agency really needs to serve as, if you will, the bridesmaid and not the bride to right. come alongside and support the ministry of the church, not so much supplant what the church is called to do. Yeah. You, you mentioned, uh, and I like how you mentioned, oftentimes, maybe when we think of missions, uh, where maybe we default or think wrongly is that we just get them there, get a missionary on the field, and then we're kind of done, let them loose. So maybe talk a little now about, okay, so once you have a missionary there on the field, what does that practically look like on a local level? Sure. Uh, how does the local church then care for that that missionary then once they're on the field? Right. Let me... Take it a step back, going back to Third John, as we had mentioned a minute ago. So I think Third John five through eight really sets up well what it means to give good pre-field missionary care 
to those that we're sending or our sent ones. I think we see there that, again, Gaius is commended, and it's a faithful thing that he does um, to send and support well for the sake of the name mm-hmm. and to uh, make sure that that they are sent out um, receiving nothing in return, and yet we're sending as if we are, and supporting them as if we were sending Christ himself. Right. And so I think it's a case of churches need to make sure that they are assessing and know their members well, hmm. such that as they send them out, they then will know, hey, these are the areas that we needed to be able to pour in and lean into before they went to the field, such that those are the same things that we're going to make sure that we are caring for our sent ones well in terms of, of issues, be it relationally or be it. Uh, in areas of discipleship or be it in areas of sin struggle. And then as they come back off the field, then we're able to lean in and say, Hey, how did, how did this go? You know, how, how are you doing in these particular areas? And so I think that care for the missionary really begins in the pre-field stage, but then continues into that on-field stage. Oftentimes when we think about missionary care, we think about it more so from the on, on the field context. And that is important, but I think all Three of those elements really tie together, pre-field, on-field, and post-field care. But as far as on-the-field care, I would go to a text like Philippians 2, verses 25 through 30, mm. where Paul is sending back Epaphroditus to the church at Philippi. church at Philippi is probably seen as the gold standard of partnership for Paul as far as a church is concerned. But the church at Philippi didn't just send a financial gift. No, they actually sent their own people someone like Epaphroditus who was able to risk his very life to be able to stand alongside Paul at a very crucial time in his ministry. In fact, Paul's writing that letter back as he's in prison. And so Paul sees the need to then send Epaphroditus back, but to do so both with commendation, but then also too to exhort the church of Philippi to say, receive this brother back with all joy, much Mm -hmm. like you would receiving back in the Roman, uh, Roman Empire. You would receive people back for civic duty or military victory and laud them with great praise, asking the Church of Philippi to do that for Epaphroditus uh, in similar fashion. But I think we see what on-the-field care really looks like from a biblical foundational standpoint from that example. And so I think that practically in today's day and age takes uh, the form of, of everything from you know on-the-field communication that's regular uh, with your sent ones as a local church, you know, it definitely takes the form of prayer. It also takes the form of advocacy as we have, you know, small groups of people that are being able to be in relationship with those partners on the field to be able to just know those partners very, very well, to be able to check in on a regular basis, to be able to make sure that their needs are being met, to be able to advocate for the church to the missionary and then advocate for the missionary back to the church. Mm. And then also, too, I think, as we see in Philippians 2, sending people, whether it be for pastoral care visits or whether it be building in missionary care moments within short-term mission trip opportunities, things of that nature. And then, you know, fast forward to when then a missionary comes off the field, be it for a short stateside assignment or be it because they're retired or be it because there's an emergency or, you know, um, even for sin struggles and that the church is able to, to be able to receive those missionaries back and help them not just logistically kind of get settled back in, but then also, too, to be able to debrief, debrief mm-hmm. in some of those hard issues, asking hard questions, but then also allowing then those missionaries to have opportunity to speak back into the life of the church and, and be 
advocates for those who have served on the field and to be able to mobilize others within the church to pray faithfully, to give sacrificially, and then even to consider the opportunity to go. That's awesome, man. You know, one of the one of the things I know with our, our Lightbearer students, obviously pushing them to the local church, but even when it comes to thinking uh, biblically about missions, uh, uh, one of our goals is not necessarily to, to be some factory line for missionaries uh, uh, as a parachurch, but simply to cultivate a heart for the nation's because as we see in Scripture, and as you outlined the other night at our institute, Christ is a heart for the nations, and we see that from uh, from the beginning. So, what would you say to so you have an eighteen to twenty five year old or a light bearer student if they were to come to you and to say, "Hey, Ryan, um, you know, I, I feel the Lord has placed in my heart, or I feel called to go overseas." Uh, what advice would you give to that individual? Or, and I'll kind of make this too. So, one called, or somebody says, "Hey, how do I get involved?" and my local church when it comes to helping equip or, or send those who want to be missionaries mm-hmm. in your 18 to 25. So I'll kind of leave you with those two. Sure. I think as one who is feeling led to, to go uh, as, as a missionary, one, I would say, be a faithful church member. Mm. Um, you know, it's, again, as we started this conversation, the church is both the means and the ends by which the Great Commission is accomplished. And so you've got to have a love for the local church. And you need to be invested in the local church now such that you know that which you're going to be planting right. when you're in a cross-cultural right. context. And so uh, just being, being invested in the life and uh, the ebb and flow of ministry within, within that local church, both in its corporate gathering and even in uh, other smaller groups uh, through discipleship, through Bible study, things of that nature. I think secondly, too, is to to be a student of the scriptures, to know the scriptures. Mm. Again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so it may be that we're entering into an unreached, unengaged place where they don't have the scriptures. And so being able to rightly divide the word of truth and to know those things. Also, too, there's going to be issues of contextualization. And so that even boils itself down to just knowing the scriptures well enough that you're able to discern truth from error. And so knowing what are those uh, central doctrines of the Christian faith that we're going to have to be able to wrestle through. And then also, I think, just having a love for people, and but particularly, too, people of other cultures. And so as we have opportunity and as the Lord has seen fit to bring the nations to our doorstep, looking for those opportunities to plug into local mission outlets through international student ministry and the like. And it's not that a student would necessarily have to say house an international student for you know months or years on end, though if the opportunity presented itself and they felt so led to do that, absolutely. But I think just having a love for those of, mm. of uh, different nations and being able to interact with them and, and just know how to do that now such that it's more natural right. uh, when you hit a cross-cultural context. And then, too, there's going to be... Uh, various training opportunities, equipping opportunities that I think you'll want to avail yourself to, be it from reading missionary biographies or sitting in on a missions reading group Mm. or a a class like Perspectives or I know churches that have kind of pared Perspectives down to a more manageable size, but hit on all the crucial elements and to be able to uh, equip themselves for the biblical basis of missions, the historical backdrop of missions, and even just cultural outworkings of that. And so all those things combined, I think, will give them a well-rounded uh, opportunity to, to be prepared uh, to, to go to the field. As a sender, I think there's various ways, uh, whether or not it's organized within your church this way or not, but I would look for avenues to be able to 
weave in prayer for the nations and and for your sent ones, mm. whether that's in the corporate gathering, praying for partners on the field, whether that's highlighting them uh, on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night service, if that's list, listing them in a member directory or through a e-newsletter that gets sent out every week, just to be able to give exposure to the church body as to who these partners are and to put a face with a name and here's ongoing prayer requests. I think also, too, there's opportunity to, to establish if it's not already in the, the fray of the church is to be able to develop those advocacy teams. And so look for who within the leadership of the church is going to be most natural to go to to plant that seed of, of starting those advocacy groups and start with those relationships with partners that are going to be most natural and mm. where there's probably the deepest relationship that's built within the church. Um, you know, there's a particular partner that I have in mind from being on staff at UBC that many within that congregation know really, really well. And that is probably one of those partnerships that goes the deepest within right. uh, a good cross section of the body because both that partner speaks back into the life of the church when they're here stateside and even when they're not. But then also, too, we've got so many members that just know them personally, both from the parents as well as the kids. And and so it's just a real sweet opportunity to be able to see the church latch on to that that partnership and send them well because so many know them in relationship. Yeah, that family you're, you're talking about there uh, with that church, and it has been really cool to see that process. You talk about the advocacy teams. And in the community, the prayer, the care, even when they come back, and, and it's just praise. Uh, what a great example and model of caring well for that family. So mm-hmm. uh, that, that's really cool. And I would say, if if you're listening and and you're you're, you're a, a light bearer student or an eighteen to twenty five year old or, or older, uh, as Ryan said, right? I'm thinking here in, in Northwest Arkansas, we've got thousands upon thousands of, of international students uh, that the nations are, are coming here for for school. Uh, even thinking, uh, and I don't know that this is the case currently, but I know recently that the president of Panama even was educated here at the University of Arkansas. And so if, if that's you and, and if you are feeling called to, to go overseas, love what Ryan said. Uh, rewind that. Listen to that again. Uh, you know, the, the, the phrase uh, aviation transformation, right? This, this concept that, you know, you, you feel called overseas, you get on a plane, you, you come off as some equipped Apostle Paul. That's that doesn't work, right? And so, uh, equipping yourself well through the local church, through the resources, uh, and just exposing yourselves to to internationals and various uh, different cultures is a great way to equip yourself. And then, uh, obviously, I love what you said there with, with sending. So many uh, listening to this podcast more than likely can play a role in, in sending well and praying well for the nations. And so, I encourage you all if you want to get involved, whether by going or sending, rewind uh, what Ryan just said. It's super helpful there and. Uh, well, Rand, I uh, appreciate it. And uh, I do want to allude, if you want a little more on the local church and missions, the Light Bearers has done another podcast with Ryan in the past. I encourage you to go back, listen to that. That'll go a little more in depth as well. Uh, until next time, Brian Art with Light Bearers Fayetteville. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the Light Bears Institute podcast, a production of Light Bears Ministries. For more information, visit lightbears.com. Mm-hmm.